Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast is in your life today. It's Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving to every single one of you. You know what's funny about Thanksgiving for me? I never ever change anything when it comes to eating what I want to eat every year. And I know that there are times where it's the time where we come in and we celebrate with our family and we celebrate with our, if we do invite friends over and everyone is cooking, everyone is saying their grace and what are we thankful for? What are we thankful for, you know, whatever it is that's going on in our lives and materialistic things and yada yada. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, what exactly am I looking forward to this year. Well, for one thing, I'm going to be spending Thanksgiving with my girlfriend and her mom. And this weekend, I'm going to be spending a little bit of time with my mom. And whatever Christmas comes around next year, I have no idea what's going to happen. But uh, I'm just being a little hopeful. Now, I wouldn't say hopeful. No, no, no. Hopeful is not. Well, hopeful, yes. But I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for everything of what has happened to me in a way this year with me grinding and with me working as much as I can and continuing the podcast as best I could and continuing to share my love of comics to you, the fans, the listeners, and everything else. And, uh, you know, with that turkey and mac and cheese. and You know what I love? I love the rolls. I love it when people make, like mothers and grandmothers, when they, aunties or whoever it is that's cooking, make good homemade rolls. Mm, mm, that's freaking good. Oh man. I got, you know, contain myself from <laughs> from like going a little nuts here. Christmas, uh, Christmas. Uh Thanksgiving is in a couple of days and Christmas it is next month and 2024 begins and whatever happens next is whatever happens next and hopefully by that time New things will be coming in terms of me moving, in terms of me maybe increasing my YouTube channel, increasing my voiceover career, me being a content creator, an entrepreneur, me sharing myself to all of you. That sounds so wrong, but I don't care. You get the point. (laughs) Well, we are back for this episode of Outside the Comics. Once again, guys, don't forget to like, smash that subscribe button. And if you have been seeing my YouTube videos as of late where I give short comic reactions of what I feel strongly about, then by all means, I will post a link in below in the description and click on it, subscribe, and share. It does wonders for me. So the algorithms and then whatever the case may be, but you know it and I know it. And hey, if you find a harder time commenting on what it is that I talk about here on the podcast, you can go on YouTube and comment there in the comment section. And if you feel very strongly about something, let's have a conversation because that is what human beings do. (laughs) 
So today on this episode, oh my goodness, we have just been getting a rapid fire of news. Just one thing after another, after another, after another. So for this episode, it's just going to be me talking. I would focus on the top 10 news or maybe top five or whatever, but there's just so much down the line. So we're just going to do a rapid fire one after another, after another, after another. And by all means, let's just get right down to it. Let's get down to business. (laughs) I had to. (laughs) I'm excited. You know, it's Thanksgiving week. It's about family. It's about food coming together. If you aren't alone, then hey, contact me. Let's have a conversation. You know, maybe we can do a little bit of a Thanksgiving thing. I am, you know, I am open arms we can enjoy maybe a little bit of a drink or whichever the case. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I can invite people to want to have like a little bit of a coffee Zoom. And if they just want to get to know me on a personal level. And I would love to get to know you. I would love to get to know you. You know, the more the merrier. Networking. Friends. You know, let's talk about anything you want to talk about. It doesn't have to be about comic books. It could be about anything. I should do that. Yeah. You know what? I, I think I'm going to do that. I I think I am. I think I'm going to do that. But anyway, let's go on to the big comic book news that's been going on. I have my notes, and this is all jumbled. It's not going to be the best to number one, best to worst, or worst to best. This is just going to be one after another after another. So by all means, here we go. Dun, dun, dun. I should have like a little bit of a jingle. I got dun, 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 dun. (laughs) Anyway, we are in the second week now. For the Marvels. And right now it has made I think close to 140 and 150 million dollars at the global box office. And let me bring up the actual numbers because I don't want to, you know, as the time of this recording right now. Okay, here we go. Yeah, I was right. 160 million. Holy shit. So on average domestically for the US it has made 65 million dollars internationally it has gone 96.5 million that means worldwide it has made just over 161 million dollars for the second week in a row for the marvels that is a colossal failure and i'm not bringing this up to try to kick the director or whoever it is by the way we're going to get to the director literally in right in a bit This is not my way of kicking someone while they're down like everyone else is doing. You know, like the critical drinker and nerd rotting. And and I think it's so funny that whoever it is that is in charge of trying to censor free speech and trying to censor YouTube creators and anti-woke people, if you want to call them that or whoever it is, I feel like it's funny that when you being the main studio or have some kind of affiliation with a YouTube with a YouTube with YouTube in general and you don't like on how someone is talking badly about your movie that you're just going to try to censor people and censor the critics and censor the content creators for pointing out how bad your movie is instead of taking responsibility and saying yeah we fucked up you'd rather rather silence the haters silence the people that are looking at this from an objective point of view and I feel like it's sad 
and actually pretty funny if you truly think about it because as I said instead of them going you know what we messed up we fucked up we need to do better maybe the people that are actually speaking against us actually has a point that we have to put out better content we have to put out better storytelling we have to do what we can to ensure that we go back to how Marvel used to be from Marvel Phases 1 to 3, it had a clear structure. We knew the characters. We loved the characters. We knew where the storyline was going. We knew the big bad and yada yada. But no, we'd rather censor. We'd rather close. And we'd rather just hush the people. You know who do that? Politicians. Politicians. You know who do that? The corporate people. The corporate people that only cares about firing uh, the ones that are against them. That's who mostly does that. And it's very interesting that this is no exception. And yet, I actually talked about this on my YouTube video. And I discussed why Nia DaCosta has been blaming the fans. Calling them misogynist and racist and sexist and homophobic and virulent and whatever bad word that comes out. And I literally said this on my YouTube video just yesterday. But... It To me, it comes down to, even though it's been a common trend that's been going on for quite some time, to me, it comes down to fear. Fear of the higher-ups demanding answers, wanting to know how the hell did we manage to lose two to $300 million for this movie. And instead of telling the truth and saying, well, I thought this was going to work, it was a movie that was made for women, and it turns out that we didn't generate as much as we did. I take responsibility. I take ownership. I am so sorry. We'll do better next time. The higher-ups are going to go, yeah, you know what? You're fired, and we're just going to go with someone else that is going to bring us money. Because that's what the shareholders, the shareholders care about. That's what the corporate guys care about. It's a business. I do not believe for a second that Nia DaCosta and a lot of directors that blame us the fans are actually believing their own shtick and so egotistical and so prideful that they're going to be blaming or keep blaming other people for their failures. I don't believe that for a second. I think, and by the way, as I'm saying this, I have no proof of this. I have no insider knowledge. This is just 100% my guess. However, I have worked in a corporate environment. I do know things of what goes on behind the scenes. And I do know that when it comes to victim blaming or just blaming people in general, trust me, they'd rather have someone to fall on their sword. They'd rather have someone and they would have them being run over by a bus many times over. The people that know me know the last company that I worked for does that a lot. And that's a small company that I worked for. So if you believe that doesn't go on in the world of Hollywood, in the world of the entertainment business, oh my God, you have not been paying attention. I do not believe Nia DaCosta is a bad person. I think she's a wonderful person. She calls herself a, she literally calls herself a black nerd. I don't know why. It's just your skin color have nothing to do with anything. Granted, she barely had any experience and barely had any credibility in terms of helming a 270 plus million dollar movie like this. But at the same time, you can't go off and blame other people for the movie's failure. Because 
I thought about this yesterday, and we're going to get off this topic. We're going to move on to something else in a bit. But just hear me out. If you made a movie by women for women, it's kind of a double-edged sword in terms of why this movie failed. Because if the women came in to watch your movie, and you're asking where are the men to watch this movie, you've already established that this movie was not made for men. So you can't cry wolf and be angry in terms of why the men did not come in to watch your movie. And if the opposite effect happened, if this movie was made for women and the men came through to watch your movie, because let's face it, the Marvel Universe in whole, the majority of their audience are male, even though there are female here, the majority of their audience are male, and the males came to see your movie, then the women that you've been pitching to basically turned their back on you. If Barbie did over a billion dollars at the global box office, what can you even say to that? What what can you even... What's your excuse then? Oh, well, Garcia, you have to understand, the SAG strike has been going on. Really? That's your excuse? The SAG strike? We knew about this movie that's been coming out for years now. Why? Because this movie has been delayed at least four to five times. We knew this was going on. The hardcores knew this was going to happen. You have content creators that are making their careers based on comic book content. I'm one of them. So you can't say, oh, it's because of lack of promotion, because of the sack strike, and because of blah, 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 blah. No. No excuse. You made a bad product. And hey, my girlfriend enjoyed it. I enjoyed some parts of it. Not to mention the men that you're calling homophobic and misogynist and racist and everything else, they don't equivalent to over $200 million in ticket sales. It's impossible to equivalent to that. You, <laughs> It's literally beating up a dead horse to a bloody pulp on this one. So, no. I do not believe you, DaCosta. I believe you have no choice but to double down and blame the fans... Because of fear of what the higher-ups is putting on you. So, I and I said this on my YouTube video, I think this is a fear tactic. Not a fear tactic, but the reason is fear. She's afraid of being, of being truthful. She's afraid of coming out and being honest. She's afraid of possibly, you know, taking ownership for the film's failure. And I'm not surprised that the actors trying so hard to promote the movie, trying so hard to saying that this movie is good, that this movie is enjoyable, nobody's buying it. And I love Miss Marvel, Ilman Vellani. I love her reaction, paraphrasing here, where people are asking her about the movie's box office failure, and she's like, listen, the box office has nothing to do with me. That's Bob Iger's thing. I love the experience. I got to work with fantastic actors. The people that I know love the movie. It is what it is. Let's move on to the next thing. And I have to say, and like I said, I'm paraphrasing here. I have to say that's probably one of the best answers that I've ever heard from a young actress like that. I've been seeing so many tweets and so many messages saying protect this girl at all costs. And you know what? I have to agree. I think she has a bright future ahead of her despite being a part of this. I think she is the highlight because at the end of the day, she's a fan. 
She's a fan and she knows how the corporate structure works. She knows that she has to give an answer that is in a way acceptable for many fans around the world. And I'm sure she's learned so much from the actresses before her when they make something political. Brie Larson is a prime example to that. If I, I do not believe she's abysmal or does have no idea in terms of what's going on. So, Iman Vellani, protect this girl. Protect her at all costs. Nevertheless, the Marvels is doing very, very poorly. And uh, we're going to need a miracle at this point. We, like I work for them. They're going to need a, mir- a miracle. They really are. And who knows, maybe Echo coming in January might be that turnkey factor. As I said, the Marvels from last week, the Marvels is a turning point. So we're going to see what happens and let's let's find out if they learn their lesson, they mean Marvel and Disney. If they learn their lesson, let's see what happens after that. So that's all there is. Kang possibly being replaced by Doctor Doom. Because Avengers 5 has lost both its writer and its director, therefore there is assumption that Kang is most likely being replaced by Doctor Doom. I don't buy this for a second. Okay, maybe not for a second. I'm leaning more calling BS as opposed to it actually happening. Now look, the evidence is pointing towards it. The evidence is pointing towards Kang being replaced completely. If you look at what's been going on with the literally the last year with Ant-Man 3 and Loki, they pretty much did Kang very, very dirty. Got beaten by ants. Socialist ants, but ants nonetheless. Got beaten by Ant-Man. And on top of that, he got killed off by the female Loki, he who remains. And now, Loki is essentially... The new god of stories that is preserving all the timelines and now the TVA is basically hunting down every Kang variant. I can I can understand that they want to... Oh, and on top of all of that, the main actor, we still have his legal situation going on. And if he's found guilty, then they have no choice but to pivot. Again, I find it very... I have a hard time believing this because we've already established in the last year and we know Marvel and Disney does not like to change plans, especially halfway through the breaking point. However, something needs to change. Something needs to be different. I don't know what that is. Maybe it is being replaced by Doctor Doom. But how can you give Doctor Doom and establish a strong base of him being the next big bad character if you've already devoted a year, hundreds of millions of dollars, and for Kang to do what he does. I just, again, maybe I'm a little bit flabbergasted on this, but I just don't believe it. And until Kevin Feige comes out and say, yeah, Doctor Doom is the new big bad, or Fantastic Four, which we're going to get into in a little bit too, the Fantastic Four, and then bringing Doctor Doom coming in, or maybe Doctor Doom has something to do with Deadpool, I don't know. At this point, the possibilities are endless. I just don't know what may happen after that. But 
if they do Dr. Doom dirty, then what the hell is the point? If they write Dr. Doom as an abysmal villain, that we that he's going to piss off a lot of fans. That's for one thing. You're going to piss off a lot of people. But if you're making him the next big bad villain, how many years are you going to put in to actually establish him as the new, you know, hardcore, terrible, just the baddest of the baddest of villains in the next year? We already know Avenger 5 is slated to come out literally in 2025. I'm sorry, 2020. It's either the end of 25 or somewhere in the beginning of 26. I don't know the exact timelines, but you have to establish a strong base in order to build up a villain like Doctor Doom. They have already have done it with Kang, so why cut it halfway midpoint? Is because the fans are against him? It's because you wrote him into a corner? Or does this have anything to do with the legal issues that the main actor is going through right now? Because if that wasn't happening, would you still be doing that? So, again, until we find confirmation, I just don't believe it for a second. Coming off in translation to that, about the Fantastic Four, Pedro Pascal is possibly... Reed Richards is possibly going to be the Fantastic Four, Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards, Pedro Pascal. I've watched a lot of people give their take on this, like John Campia and Critical Drinker and a few others. And uh, there's a part of me where I look at this and I go, this is brilliant casting. Pedro Pascal is an awesome actor. I remember him from, obviously, ooh, my stomach is getting good rumblies. <laughs> I remember him from, obviously, Game of Thrones, The Mandalorian, The Last of Us. This dude can act. He is the creme de la creme, top of the tops. So you better be paying bank to get someone like this. And yet, there's also a small part of me where... Is this screaming diversity casting? Because we now know in confirmation that Kevin Feige kind of enjoy not kind of enjoys that, but focuses on diversity casting. He does it with the directors, and he does it with the actors. So does this scream diversity acting? I honestly don't know. To be honest, I really don't have a strong opinion, opinion of Pedro Pascal as Mr. Fantastic because I'm not really a huge fan of the Fantastic Four. I have to be completely honest. I know they're the first family of superheroes to come together and, you know, they do their thing. But there's a part of me that is like, all right, well, I guess I'll let them cook. But let's see what the food comes out after I let them cook. And I'm very curious to hear what you have to think about that. What do you have to say? What do you have to think about Petro Pascal? Is this brilliant or is this just another check-in-the-box type of thing. And I hate to resort to that because, as I said, he has strong credibility. He has he has a great, great acting chops. I mean, this dude is phenomenal. And maybe he hasn't done a role like this and he wants to challenge himself in order to do a role like this to actually match the intellectual level of Tony Stark and maybe surpass him. And there has been variations of Reed Richards where he has gone over to the dark side. Civil War, for example, the great one of the greatest comic books series that Marvel's ever produced of Civil War, Reed Richards, kind of a douchebag, kind of a dick. So 
I know John Krasinski, when he became uh, Planet, I'm sorry, Universe 838, yes, Universe 838 for Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, that was fan casting. The fans did that. And we've been calling for John Krasinski to be Reed Richards for a long time. So, if Pedro Pascal can fill into the shoes greatly, and we see the movie, and he kills it and knocks it out of the park, hey, more power to you, my guy. More power to you. Moving on, in terms of this Marvel train going on here, Chris Hemsworth is in talks to return for Thor 5, and Taika Waititi is not returning. Again, this goes back to what I've said about Nia DaCosta. Now, Takawatiti did not, as far as I'm concerned, maybe he has, maybe he hasn't, maybe you can let me know. Waititi did not blame the fans, but his movie that came out was pish, poor, utter nonsense. It was bad. How do you go from directing Thor Ragnarok, one of the best MCU movies ever made, to give us Thor Love and Thunder and gave us that? What the bloody hell were you thinking? He wrote and directed this movie and just, no, it was bad. It was abysmal. And I'm pretty sure the higher-ups or Kevin Feige or whoever it is and is in charge of directors directing these movies looked at that and go, well, the fans are against this and the fans are against you. Therefore, you are fired. We're going to get someone else. It would not surprise me for the least bit if Nia DaCosta does not come back and direct another Marvel movie because of what happened with the Marvels. I would be interested to see what how how her career is going to go on forward from this. And Takawatiti is the same thing. However, he did come out with a release, a press release or some kind of news or whatever saying He's going to direct a Star Wars movie, and it's going to piss a lot of people off. I'm not a fan of Star Wars. I know. I know. I've never watched Star Wars. I never got into Star Wars as a kid. It's just not my thing. But if you're a hardcore Star Wars fan, or if you're a Star Wars fan in general, and you hear something like that, oh boy, this is just a catastrophe waiting to happen. Honestly, I have no idea what to think. But Taika needs to cool it. Taika needs to cool it. Continuing on with Marvel talk, Steven Yun from The Walking Dead is Sentry. Apparently, according to one of the directors or whoever it is, I forgot who it was, has confirmed that Steven Yun is going to be Sentry for the Thunderbolts. That's interesting to me. That really is. Now... I don't care that an Asian guy is going to play a white character. I don't give a damn about that. That's not the highlight of what I'm going to talk about. What I'm going to talk about is Sentry coming into the MCU as a whole as part of the Thunderbolts. Sentry is essentially Marvel's version of Superman, if you truly think about it. He went toe-to-toe with the Hulk and it ended in a draw. Ended in a draw. He has the power of a thousand suns or a million suns, whatever the motto is. Now, if you got Steven Yun as the Thunderbolts, I'm sorry, as Sentry as part of the Thunderbolts, okay, interesting casting, interesting choice. Don't know if that's another checkbox, but interesting casting. 
My question or my worry is, what are they going to do with the Sentry character? This goes back to Adam Warlock as part of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. In my opinion, and in many others, they depowered Adam Warlock. He was just a throw-in for the movie. And he's not this ultimate badass character like he is in the comics. I feel like the same thing is going to happen to Sentry. Where they just shoehorn a character in having no respect for the comic book lore. Has no respect for the character in the comics. Has no fathom in terms of how this character can revolutionize the movies going forward oh no he's just another character that we need and we're just going to shoehorn him in just for space do you see how fucked up that is do you see how messed up that is like i can imagine after the thunderbolts come out that many people are going to be so pissed off over how sentry is handled case in point look at modok case in point Look at the first Iron Man, not, not the first, but the third Iron Man movie with the Mandalorian. The Mandal- I'm sorry, not the Mandalorian. The Mandarin. <laughs> the Mandalorian, Jesus. The Mandarin. Yeah, they did a little bit of a change-up with Shang-Chi, but they only did that after we cried wolf and be like, Yo, what the hell are you doing to my beloved characters? So, I feel like this falls into the same category for Sentry. Again... I don't know. This is just my guess. I don't. Congratulations, I guess, to Steven Yun for being Sentry, but don't depower the dude. Just, just don't. Just, just don't. Like I don't. It's just. Oh my goodness. Last thing of Marvel, and we're gonna jump into DC. Last thing of Marvel that I do want to talk about, not part of the MCU, but the Madam Web trailer has just came out, and. It's getting torn to shreds. (laughs) Oh my god, it is getting torn to shreds. You know what it looks like to me? And I even made a short video about this too. It looks like a CW production. That's what it looks like to me. It looks like CW has band together and is essentially making a movie about Madam Web and the three spider women. You know, and, and, and I have to say... To me, this is a guilty pleasure. The Sony Marvel movies are guilty pleasures for me. I spoke highly against Venom Let There Be Carnage. I spoke highly against Morbius. And I didn't buy that Craven the Hunter would get Aaron Taylor Johnson to become a young Craven. Granted, I get it. They're going for a young Craven, but I just didn't see the casting. Now I have to say, I think I'm turning over a new leaf. Maybe it's because I don't hold them to a high standards as I do with the MCU. And there's a reason for that. The MCU has the brand. The MCU has the market value. The MCU has the highest production. So therefore, and we've seen them put out great movies before. But when it comes to Sony Marvel, call me biased. And yes, I am biased. I'm a Spider-Man fan from day and night. (laughs) From day to night. And it's the simple fact that I'm looking at this and I watch the trailer. It's not a great trailer, but I do love Billie Eilish. And I do love her song in the Bury a Friend soundtrack. And 
I do want to see Dakota Johnson in the red spider suit, maybe a little bit dark, and have the red blindfold over her eyes. I do want to see that. The suits look fantastic. The Spider-Man villain-esque, you know, Ezekiel Zim, if that's his name. Sorry if I'm if I mispronounced that. He looks cool-ish. And the women with the suits look badass. But <laughs> look. I'm not thinking this is going to be a high-level type movie where we're going to watch it and enjoy it. And, you know, that's me. I am going to enjoy this movie no matter how it's going to be bad. It's a guilty pleasure. And I can't wait for it to come out. (laughs) I know it seems like I'm making fun of it, but I, I think I'm turning over a new leaf. I watch some parts of Morbius. I still love the trailer for Morbius. I really do. I love the trailer way more than the movie. Even though this trailer fucking lied to us. Putting in that Spider-Man mural. And shoehorning in freaking Vulture from the MCU. Not to mention these movies. I think they're essential because they're all going to connect to Spider-Man 4. And if this has something to do with the Sinister Six coming out. Hopefully in the next few years. I'm all for it. Like I said, I'm a Spider-Man fan. And I'm willing to put my critical thinking cap aside in order to watch a movie. Most likely it's going to be bad, but hey, there's some enjoyment to this. And I'm pretty sure there's some people that feel the same way about Marvels. I'm pretty sure there are some people that felt the same way about some other MCU movie that happened in the past. Yeah, I'd hold them to high standards. Sue me. That's just me. (laughs) Am I hypocritical? Yeah, I can admit that. It is what it is. It is what it is. That's all for the Marvel talk. We have two more pieces of news. I know we are extending way over 30 minutes. Good God, look how long this has been taking. But just a couple more things to talk about here. Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, find its writer. Her name is Anna Nogueira. And according to her credibility, which she doesn't have any... She has no film and no TV experience, but she is a playwright. She is a playwright. And some people are like, even I said it from time and time again, what credibility do you have? What's your resume? I think she wrote something that James Gunn goes, yes, we're going to do it. We're going to take it. And that's all there is fit. And you know what? In James Gunn, I trust. Again, Call me biased. I don't care. I'd rather trust James Gunn and his vision of what's going to happen with the DC universe going forward than to place my chips on what Marvel is going to do now. Okay? Am I jumping ship? There's not really a ship to jump on because I, in a way, love them both in their own way. And if she sees something that Anna Nogueira has done in terms of writing something, maybe she understands the Supergirl character. Maybe she realizes that, hey, Supergirl is a character that is completely different from Superman and therefore should be treated differently from Superman. So if she wrote something that James Gunn actually enjoys and is like, you know what, we're going to take that, we're going to run with it. Hey, more power to you. So I just want to say congratulations. It is a huge task. There's no mistake about it. And hopefully it does really, really well at the box office. But I think James Gunn knows what he's doing. 
and I think full well that he definitely has what it takes to actually, you know, to do something like this. She has what it takes. Like, I, in James Gunn, I trust. In James Gunn, I am, I do trust. Last piece of news, we have our Lex Luthor. We actually have our Lex Luthor for Superman Legacy. And it's the same guy that played Beast. Oh, yeah. Here, let me bring up his name real quick because I'm completely missing it off the top of my head. You know, Superman Legacy. We have Nicholas Holt. There we go. That's his name. Nicholas Holt. He lands the role of Lex Luthor for Superman Legacy. Nicholas Holt is a great uh, actor. Played the Beast very well. And I've seen him from the menu, so he definitely knows how to act. And like I said, if he's going to contrast with Superman, it's going to be a young Superman. We know this already. And I don't know if he's going to shave his head. And he probably, he most likely will. Like, let's face it, he most likely will. But I think he can be that devious, mastermind, billionaire villain that just wants to see Superman dead. I mean... I would buy this as a casting choice way better than what Jesse Eisenberg has given us. And I get it. Technically speaking, it was Lex Luthor's son. Just, no. I think Nicholas Holt has a great chance of being a villainous character like Lex Luthor. And I'm curious to see, I'm excited to see what's going to happen next. Superman Legacy coming out in 2025 around my birthday. I believe it's July 16th if I'm not mistaken. And I can't wait to see what happens next. And that's all there. Next. <laughs> next. That's all there is to it. That's all we have for this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast. Wow, that was a lot that I spoke about. That was a lot of news that just kept on. I told you it was rapid fire. I told you it was one after another after another. Don't forget, guys. Tune in every single week drop that like subscribe button give it five stars it will help me out tremendously if there's anything you want to talk about anything at all don't hesitate email me directly mike at voiceofgarcia.com or go to my website voiceofgarcia.com tune into my youtube channel give it a subscribe give it a follow give it a like and share to any one of your friends if you have something that you want to pitch in if you think that i should do something different with my channel i'm always learning i'm always growing and I'm open-minded to whatever it is that you think is best for the podcast and for the channel. Tune in next week where we will talk more on all comic book news, game shows, whatever the case may be. And always remember, if you hear about it and you read about it, uh, talk about it controversial or otherwise. Happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy yourselves. Please stay safe. I'm done. I'm through. I am out.